1: What is going on, folks? This is Rob from the Strike and Gold Podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Before we get started, we wanted to come at you with one of our sponsors, BetOnline.ag. March has arrived, and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to BetOnline and open an account today to get in on your $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest starting March 15th. That's four days from when this is being recorded. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for your free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. That's BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts.
0: New England sending in QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy.
1: Garoppolo quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Welcome folks to another episode of Striking Gold your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, who you just heard about, and Untuck It. More from them later. My name, as always, is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers, 49ersNation.com. And joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host, former NFL defensive back and all-around good dude, Eric Crocker. How you doing, man? How you feeling?
2: I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. Uh, if I'm a betting man, you might want to start getting your bets in now because I'm hearing that the NCAA is going to shut down after Sunday. So uh, it's an interesting, interesting time.
1: Yeah. So and, and just keeping all things 100 here on the Striking Gold podcast, I actually started to record our bet online ad. And within that ad, it talks about the NBA and betting on the NBA. Well, if you are tuning in right now you should be listening to this on thursday so thursday morning thursday afternoon thursday night or beyond wherever you are and you would know by that time that the nba has officially been postponed uh due to the they're trying to prevent the spread of the coronavirus um and crocker you're going to have to give it to me again what was the name of the guy that got it for is the first nba nba player to get it
2: Rudy Gobert
1: Yeah, and and which is hilarious because this guy just a few days ago was kind of like laughing about the idea of, of the virus. And there's a clip that's just making its absolute runs on Twitter where just as a joke, after he finished up a press conference, he started like touching all the microphones, like touching every single one of them, which obviously have been touched by many, many, many other people. And as luck would have it, He has the coronavirus right now. He got tested and he tested positive. And basically, you know, I guess you got to give kudos to the NBA because the literally the moment that you know that kind of broke news, the NBA was officially suspended. I what you might know, Crocker, they they actually had a oh Kings and Pelicans were literally playing when this happened, and they stopped the game and would not let them finish it. So the entire NBA is postponed. So if, if for some reason you didn't believe that this was a big deal or was going to have much effect on your day-to-day life, I mean, if you're not an NBA fan, then it's not affecting your day-to-day life, but, uh, there's a good chance it'll roll around that way. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely real at this point, you know, that's right. It, it just, you know, just imagine put yourself in in some some other shoes. Just imagine that this was five or six months ago, and it was in the middle of the middle of the NFL season, and the same exact thing happened: a player on an NFL team got it, and then the entire NFL season was postponed. Now that doesn't mean that the NFL would react to that in the same way, but at the same time, that's that's huge. That's crazy. You know, it's a freaking NBA, and they're on hold. They're not playing. Yeah. games.
2: That was my takeaway from it. That's when I kind of started taking it serious because at first I was just like kind of whatever about it. Like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. Like making, I I wouldn't say making light of it, but I just didn't take it very serious. And then once the NBA shuts down, once the NBA shuts down, you know, that's that's owners losing millions and millions of dollars. So then that's when I kind of was like, oh, maybe I should take it a little more serious.
1: (laughs) Right. No, it's. It's nuts, man. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a whole lot to say about it. Like, as, as I'm sure a lot of you guys know that are listening, I'm a school teacher and it has already started to affect the school systems. There are schools districts. um, I'm with, I'm in the central Valley at Fresno, California, but there are already school districts up in the Bay area that have completely shut down um, to prevent the spread of this virus. And I have no doubts that it will eventually work its way down to where I am. There's already been confirmed cases. Uh, at least one confirmed case in Fresno. Which, if there's one confirmed case, you can you can place a safe bet that there are there are more. And you know, it's just it's and we they my work has sent out emails about about how we should change things up. And what's interesting is every class that comes into my room after break or after lunch. Um, I have to make them wash their hands. Now, for me, that's easy. I'm an art teacher. So there's sinks actually in my classroom. So I just dismiss the students one group at a time to wash their hands, uh, which they say is the best way to um, prevent either getting the virus or spreading the virus. It's just to to stay clean, shower, wash your hands. Um, If you can't wash your hands, use hand sanitizer. And so every time my students come into my class from either break or lunch, they have to wash their hands. And you know, that's a big deal for other teachers who don't have sinks in their classrooms because they have to literally get up and out of the class and take random little field trips to the bathroom so everybody can wash their hands. So, you know, it's it's starting to permeate into everyday life. And I know you guys all hopped on the strike and Gold podcast and we're like, "Yeah, 49ers, let's hear it." And then we've been talking about the coronavirus for almost 10 minutes, but I don't really think there's anything that supersedes real life, day-to-day life, stuff that's going to affect us all here pretty quick, especially when you've got the NBA that's just been postponed. So, you know, try to try to take that notion and turn it towards the and picture it during an NFL season. You know, and and one thing I told Crocker before we fire this up is it's not affecting the NFL season now, but I guarantee you it will because the 49ers, excuse me, the well, the 49ers and the, you know, the rest of the NFL I have the NFL draft coming up in, you know, a little over a month, month and a half. But from what everything I've read, and I've tried to do quite a bit of research just to calm my own nerves and to be able to talk to people. I mean, I, like I said, I'm a teacher. So if a student asks me about it, I feel like I have an obligation to at least be able to give them some, some accurate research information. And everything I've read says, this is what you were seeing now is just the beginning. And I'm not saying that to like scare you. I'm just saying that the, the the virus is expected to spread and it's expected to affect hundreds of millions of people. Um, and that's just what they're saying. And so you have to treat it like it's real. And with the NFL draft just around the corner, if the NBA can suspend their season, the NFL draft can get canceled or it can get postponed or it can get drastically altered. Like the in uh, like the March madness is going to be. Like didn't they announce today that March Madness is going to be played in front of no crowds?
2: Right. Well, they were saying that, and then now, from what I'm under, what I'm hearing from a college coach, uh, someone I know that coaches at UOP, I think they're hearing that after Sunday, they're just going to shut down it all together.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if the, the NBA enough, is postponing their season,
2: to, think about how these kids get to games. Like they they fly, and that's how people are, you know, catching this stuff. I think right. a lot of times we think about like travel or games or, you know, home or away. And we just think of it like, you know, like, you know, you coaching, you know, you coach middle school football and, you know, you just get on the bus, right? Well, but these people are flying and, you know, that's how guys are kind of catching. I just saw that the, um, the Golden State Warriors, not even Golden State Warriors, the city of San Francisco is lim- limiting gather or you can't have a gathering that has more than a thousand people. Right. And that includes the Warriors arena.
1: So, yeah. So, what I'm, the point I'm making here is if the NBA can suspend its season, other things are going to be affected. And, and like Croc's saying, like March Madness could, if the NBA is going to suspend its season, then there's a good bet that what he's hearing is, is correct and the fact that March Madness will just straight up be either postponed or canceled because you just, there's no way that you can justify doing stuff like that when real world situations are are happening like this and uh, from another facet think of the the liability and the you know the lawsuits that would spring up from you know these organizations knowingly putting players at risk it doesn't mean they're they're purposely putting them in a you know a uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for here, exposing them to the virus, but they're knowingly putting them in harm's way, knowing that these players could get infected and they can't go on doing things like that. You know, they can't run this March Madness tournament knowing that the threat of spreading to all the teams is very likely. So it's wild. It's wild to talk about,
2: you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, is it's, it's definitely fascinating just to kind of see where it's going. And you know, like you talked about it spreading and, kind of how fast it's spreading, and, uh, you know, I, I have little kids, and, you know, my, my wife is thinking about homeschooling our son for, you know, the rest of the school year, which, you know, there's only, what, two and a half, three months left, but, you know, it's just like, you know, you just don't know. You don't know how this whole thing works, and I, I know it's attacking people, or it's affecting people, like, that have a weak immune systems, uh, you know, it's affecting them more. People that have, like, a normal immune system, I guess it's just really more like the common flu. But either way, you just don't know how it's going to affect, you know, one person or the next. So I, I'm starting to definitely take it a little bit more serious. And, you know, I'm glad that football is not in right now because, you know, that that would suck. But I, I definitely think it's going to affect the, uh, the draft. Oh, yeah, it
1: has to in some way.
2: The and numbers it- are just going to keep going up. Like I just saw a number – I just saw something on Twitter saying – um you know, talking about how, you know, there's only been so many cases of the coronavirus and then so many deaths, right? It, it was like a rather small number compared to fl- uh, people that have the flu and flu deaths. Like there was like 45,000 deaths from the flu or something like that in the United States and like 5 million people with the flu. It's just something crazy. But this coronavirus, is it just came over. I feel like it just came over like a few weeks ago. And then all of a sudden it's just boom, boom, boom. You know, just you're starting to hear about more and more people getting it, and even though it's only killing the older people, like that's still scary. Especially for somebody like me, I have a three year old daughter and a five year old daughter. So,
1: right, and there's and and it's not solely affect. It it's the biggest realm of casualties are among those with weakened immune systems. You know, pre existing conditions that would affect their ability to fight a virus like that, and you know that old people just happen to be among be among them. but there's there are average aged people that are being affected by it and even killed by it so you know and and like i said i I took it upon myself to make sure i was at least well read on the subject and and the biggest thing that everybody's recommending until they find some sort of vaccine is just stay clean wash your hands take preventative measures when you leave a place when when you leave the house wash your hands when you come home wash your hands if you have the opportunity to wash your hands in between then do it it's i mean it's it's not that inconvenient to spend thirty seconds washing your hands. So, you know, if you're if you're a skeptic, you shouldn't be anymore, because it's obviously affecting things that you know that are a bit bigger yeah. than than you and I. So um be safe. Wash your hands. Do that stuff. So now I don't mean it. I guess. We're not gonna turn this into the uh coronavirus podcast, uh, on the Blue Hour network. So we eventually gotta get into get into some forty nineers, but uh, which is just gonna seem <laughs> trivial uh after talking about what we're talking about but we'll we'll get into it we'll get into it because uh you know there's still some things to talk about there are you know obviously free agency is is less than a week away so you know we're on the verge of some stuff but one thing we're going to hit first um as you know if if you don't follow eric crocker on twitter you're incorrect that's just the way it is um because he is just a nonstop stream of football content nfl draft content prospect content corners wide receivers, whatever you got um but crocker recently uh unveiled his top ten college cornerbacks right correct okay, so he just recently unveiled his top ten cornerbacks and we're gonna get into that, but first we wanted to take a look at the 49ers group of cornerbacks because in order to really take a unless you're an, an NFL draft fiend where you you, you love everything NFL drafting you unless you're convinced that the 49ers would show any interest towards a cornerback then you wouldn't really look their way when it comes to the draft or the combine or what have you so we're gonna take a look at the 49ers roster first take a look at the cornerback position see kind of where we're looking for 2020 and beyond and see if that pick number 31 in the first round, or, you know, if they trade back somewhere in that area would be worth investing into the secondary or along the perimeter. So Crocker, why don't you start us off? Cause there's just no sense in me talking cornerbacks when <laughs> we, when you're in here, it just doesn't make any sense. So, um, why don't you start us off with the 49ers roster, give us your thoughts and then kind of just slowly blend it into, you know, your, uh, your take on the, uh, draft class.
2: All right, so, yeah, just not just, you know, obviously the corner cornerback position is really more of my like specialty, but I'm, you know, I'm pretty well versed with just the secondary uh, in, in general. My initial thought when thinking about the 49er secondary, um, and you know, the cool thing, I guess, before I get into it, the cool thing is on Twitter, I've noticed a lot of people like value my opinion, and that's pretty cool. I think oh, I've yeah. earned that. <laughs> I, I think I've earned that with just kind of my thoughts on like roster building and how things that they'll do and when people were like, Oh no, you're wrong. They're not gonna do that. They're gonna do this. And and then sure enough, they did more of what I thought they would do. So I think from that perspective, I've earned a lot of people's uh kind of just respect, you know, and they they value my opinion. Well, yeah. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> so um looking at sorry, they got sirens and stuff going on. I live in Stockton, California. So you hear these sirens, that's just yeah, just, just gotta deal with it. There's all the, right, but um can you hear it in the background?
1: A little bit, yeah. But I mean, it is what it is. It's this is the world we yeah. live in, folks.
2: Yeah, it is. All right, so um, these are my initial reactions. All right. First, you know, if we want to start with the safety position, because I think that's the one that most people want to talk about. Uh that's also the position I see mocked to the 49ers a ton uh in the first round. Obviously, you guys know the 49ers only have they have the 31st overall pick. And then they don't have a pick again into the fifth round. Now they do have multiple picks in like the fifth round, the sixth round, seventh round. Uh, So I think they total of six picks in the draft. But there's a huge gap between the first, you know, the end of the first and the top of the fifth when they have their next pick. So how do you address this? How do you address this situation? All right, especially with uh, guys that are expected to be free agents. Um, The first guy that comes to mind in the secondary, obviously. Is Jacqueline Tart? And, I mean, Jaquisky Tart, Ward, Jimmy Ward. I don't know <laughs> why <how> I, <laughs> I, I thought about uh, Tart, but Ward, all right, Jimmy Ward. And he plays that deep free safety position for the 49ers, but I think more importantly, he was just extremely, extremely versatile. Um, he did whatever they asked him to do. Obviously, over the years, he's played several different positions, and it's really weird to see so many 49er fans like, it's like, oh, no, Jimmy Ward, oh, no. When, like, the last five years, they've just been dogging the dude and, like, oh, he sucks, I hate him, like, get him off the team, why are they bringing him back? And now all of a sudden it's like, what are we going to do without him? Um, but <laughs> but anyways, um, so it's crazy how how quick uh, things turn around. Well, he had a trem- tremendous season and um, played a lot of single high safety for the 49ers. Uh, he played in the slot very well. You know, he, he, he was really good in his coverage. Uh, the thing that I noticed about him the most He was never really the reason, and that's good. You don't want your safety to be the reason, right? Early on, played Tarverius Moore, and, you know, he missed or took some bad angles, and he ended up being the reason why a play got more yards than it probably should have. Well, Ward, that never happened to Ward. Now, also, Ward is a veteran. You know, he just played his, what, like, fifth or sixth season with the 49ers. Uh, So, you know, he's been there. He's done that. He's seen it. He's played multiple positions, and they use him as such. So losing him would be a big blow in a sense of reliability. But there is one thing that I felt like he could have gotten better or done better at, and that's taking the ball away. And now that that's not, you know, ideally you would want your safety taking the ball away. That was what Thomas hung his hat on. Um, a lot of the great safeties, they just got their hands on balls. Uh, footballs. <laughs> balls. Um, I, I didn't get that sense from him, like, or or even get that from him as much as, like, I want to say he had, what, like two interceptions in his career, I know he had one early on against the Bears that ended up being the pick six, and then I can't even tell you what the other one was. Uh, So as much as I like him, I think his versatility is what adds his value. But I think the 49ers can improve there. Now, most people want to look towards the draft to fix that. Right, They 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 want to draft uh, Anton Winfield Jr. Uh, they want to draft Delpit from LSU. They want to draft McKinney from Alabama. And I think those guys are all terrific prospects. But the way that I would go about fixing this, especially in the draft where the 49ers don't have as many picks, I would go with the guy that's in the building right now, and that would be Tavares Moore. Now, one thing about Tavares Moore and how I look at him kind of going forward one, he played safety in college. Now, he played more of a two-high cover-four safety, not as much single high, but he played safety. Shows all the ability. He has the speed. He has the range. He had the playmaking ability, at least in preseason. And also in the Super Bowl, he had an interception, which I know it was like off of a tipped tip ball. But to me, I think there are people that just make plays. The ball just always bounces their way some, for some reason. And they're the benefit, beneficiaries of it.
1: Being in the All right, right so, place at the right time.
2: Being in the right place at the right time, and he was there in the Super Bowl as well. So with him, I mean, obviously, you 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 know, a lot of people, his angles they were so terrible, and I'm not gonna deny that. But I will say this: for somebody that hadn't played a whole lot of single high safety, I thought he played well. Can can he? Would he like to take a couple of plays back where he took a poor angle? I'm sure. But for somebody like him that. You know, he spent all of last year, all of his rookie year playing cornerback. He spent all of OTAs playing quarterback until the very end when they started having some injuries. I think it was Ward that got hurt. Cobra was hurt or something like that. Guys started getting hurt. So that was when he finally got his shot to play safety. And what do he do right away? Interceptions, right? That was the big thing going through camp. Now, going into training camp, he was running with the number two group. He was behind Cobert. Well, More kept making plays and making plays and making plays. Sure enough, they couldn't deny him anymore, and he ended up forcing his way into the starting lineup. Now, he didn't really get first-team reps until, like, what, the second or third uh, preseason game. And then all of a sudden, the season comes around, and he's the guy in there. There's just a lot of, like, very limited reps uh, from this guy. And I think that the more he plays that single high position, I think the more the game will slow down for him and now he'll be able to just you know those angles will be better right um i think that's something that he can get better with with time so a lot of people want that safety at the top of the uh first or the bottom of the first round i would go with uh more and then i would just draft a, a safety maybe later right 49ers have several picks at the end of the first um at the end of the draft and they've been really good with identifying some talent there and getting production out of these guys. So I'm not saying like it's somebody that's gonna be a starter, but they have gotten a lot of production out of later round picks. So I, I trust them from that standpoint. Let's see what more can do. And I'm gonna move on from the safety position. Now, the other position that's a re, that's actually a little weird is the the cornerback position. And it's so interesting because you have two guys who you look at as your starters, right? Right now, they're ready to go. They're the starters on the left side and the right side, from my understanding, and that's Richard Sherman and Emmanuel Mosley, right? So you have your two starters. And then behind him, you have Akella Witherspoon, who has played a ton of games, started a lot of games, uh, pretty inconsistent, um, has shown talent, and I think is a very uh valuable reserve. If if that's going to be his his uh you know where he's at going into the season, a reserve cornerback, I I'm fine with that. Right? I think you you can live with Akella Witherspoon coming off the bench and I think you're fine with that. Um maybe you don't want him to be the starter, but second second string guy behind or the first guy off the bench behind Sherman and Mosley. I think most people would take that. So, but the the bigger issue is all three of those guys will potentially, unless they resign somebody before next year, they're all gone. So Mosley, who I believe is like a restricted free agent, who they're bringing back, um, I'm pretty sure he'll be back. Uh, but it's only like a one year thing. So at the when next season, you know, next off season, you have Witherspoon, who his contract's up, Sherman, contract up, and he's older, and Emmanuel Mosley contract up and you know obviously I'm pretty sure they'll work on bringing you know at least Mosley back Uh, behind them you have guys like Tim Harris who they drafted last year who I I didn't care for Tim Harris I actually was one that was like yeah I think Mosley is going to make the team over Tim Harris people thought I was crazy Um, and then obviously Mosley turned out to be who I thought he could potentially be Um, and then you have uh, let's see Verrett He's not going to be back. I, I I'd imagine, right? Um, yeah. I mean, then you have like Dante Johnson. So it's I think the bigger issue here is how do you address this position? Well, if you draft somebody at the top at the bottom of the set, first round, right? Who's that guy going to play over? Because that's somebody that you expect to come in and play, right? Like if you draft somebody in the first round, especially at a time where you have limited draft picks, you expect this guy to come in and make some sort of an impact. So Is he going to come in and start over, say, uh, Emmanuel Mosley? I I would think most people would be like, ah, no, we're we're good with him starting there. Is he going to come in and start over Richard Sherman? I think most people would say, well, Sherman is getting a little bit older and maybe, you know, they can move to get younger, but I don't see them removing him yet. You know what I'm saying? He just means too much to the team. He means too much to the locker room. I don't see them removing Sherman yet. And then behind them, well, you know, he still would have to compete to beat out Witherspoon. And although Witherspoon is inconsistent, at times, he looks really good. So, so you know, it'd be hard to even kind of beat him out. Not saying that the person can't, but it's not as much as of a given as I think a lot of people want to believe. So what good does drafting somebody at 31, a cornerback with limited picks, you know, to be your fourth corner or potentially third, but not a starter in a a draft where you have limited picks. So I I really, this is one of the few times where I'm kind of stumped on how the 49ers are going to address this position. I I think this is another position where if I were GM, I would draft a guy later. And uh, there are some very talented, you talked about my top 10, there are some very talented cornerbacks uh, especially, I think, in the range of where the 49ers are picking at 31. But it just doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't make sense unless they make a move. Maybe they trade away with a spoon. Maybe they move uh, Richard Sherman to a different position in safety. Like, then now it makes sense. But as, as the roster stands right now, it doesn't make much sense to me. So how do we address it? Um, I'm not going to go through my whole top 10. Hold on. Man, hey, I'll just talk about you before you go, go full top
1: 10. Let's let's get our sponsors in that way. You know, we can we can get that out of the way. That way you can roll. I don't want to interrupt you when once you start your top 10 because you're going to be on a roll. You know what I mean? So before we unveil Eric Crocker's like a little drum roll in the background uh, before we unveil Eric Crocker's top 10 cornerbacks 2020. We're going to take a quick word for our sponsor um, you guys heard from betonline.ag earlier today well now we have untuck it and untuck it is all about looking good you ever wonder why traditional button-ups look so long and baggy uh, that's because they were never worn they were never designed to be worn untucked that's where untuck it comes in Untucked shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked, no matter your size or shape. Their shirts are the perfect untucked length. I have a couple; I love them. With more than 50 fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Don't just take my word for it. Try untuck it for yourself. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUEWIRE. For 20% off your first order that's a solid discount try even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. so you get 20% off free shipping and returns if you don't like it that's untucket and promo code bluewire for 20% off your first order All right, Crocker, your top 10 corners. Before before we get into your top 10 corners, I would say that it, it really, to me, it just depends on how the 49ers feel about the position and how much confidence they have in Emmanuel Mosley and how much of a long-term option they feel he is. And if they believe that, and I and I believe this ship has sailed, but if, if they believe that there's a chance that Akella Witherspoon still has a, can make a run for that starting role, there's just a lot of things at play and they have no idea um, how long, you know, obviously Richard Sherman has one year left on his contract and we will see if, if he sticks around and, in, you know, whether he stays a cornerback or gets moved to safety, like you said to me though, it, I mean, if you, if you really have a, a priority at that position, you could look at it in a way like, look, I know taking a corner at number 31 and him not starting is not the most ideal approach like you're at least not getting your instant gratification or your immediate payoff but at the same time there's something to be said about allowing a corner who you feel could step in and be your next big guy a year to play under Richard Sherman and and be able to take in everything that guy has to offer so I you know I, I'm, I'm still with crock in the fact that I, I feel like they might feel like that position is set enough to where they don't have to make that their number 31 pick, but at the same time, if they execute some sort of a trade back and the 49ers are now picking early in the second round and then maybe again late in the second round or early in the third, whatever picks they would get for that trade back, then they could be looking at a guy who who's right in that sweet spot of, we didn't take him in the first round, we took him in the second round, there won't be as much clamoring for him to start, not that they would care about that anyways. Um, and this is a guy that we feel like could benefit, even if he's not starting one, he'll be able to step in if somebody gets hurt, but two, he'll be able to spend a year learning from one of the, one of the smartest cornerbacks, uh, to ever play this game. So, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about, even if they do surprise us with an early investment in that position, I think there's the, the whoever that player would be would benefit greatly from just being among the locker room and in that position group in those meetings. So you know, it's, it's an interesting dynamic either way, but so walk us through your top 10 crock. And I, and I don't know if you have an idea of where you expect these guys to be drafted, but you know, I definitely would talk about, you know, what guys you think the 49ers should, if they were going to take them would have to take it number 31 or guys that might be available in round two or three and, or, you know, I don't know how far your top 10 goes, but hit us with it, dude. What, what do we got?
2: All right, here we go. So um, I haven't thought too much about rounds, but here's my top 10. So Darnay Holmes, cornerback out of UCLA, who I think is more of a nickel, which still kind of makes sense because he played all outside at UCLA. Um, He is in the, uh, he's very athletic. It didn't show in his testing, but he was one of the better guys at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I, I, I think he's more of a nickel. And it makes sense because the 49ers have Kawhan Williams, who, again, like a lot of other guys, I want to say next year, or is it after this year coming up? This is contract year. So that's another guy. Um, After him, I have Jalen Johnson from Utah, who I have him on here almost because I feel like I'm supposed to have him on here, but I'm not as high on him as other people. Just something about his movements. Um, It's kind of like his upper body is a little stiffer, and it's kind of really hard to explain, but I'm not a huge, huge fan of Jalen Johnson. Um, At number eight, I have Jeff Gladney. A lot of people really love at TCU, and I have a lot of I've seen a lot of people have him in their top five. To me, he was just way too inconsistent for with his technique for somebody that's that much smaller. Like, I think maybe if you just watch highlights or certain clips, he'll do certain things that jump out to you on a consistent play to play basis. I is like when you're when you're smaller like him, like you have to be on point more times than not. And I didn't get that sense from him, especially for somebody that's like 5'10, 190 pounds. Um at number seven, Trayvon Diggs from Alabama, who a lot of people really high on him. Um from what someone told me, man, he's you know, he's a freak athlete, really good size, ran very well. His biggest thing to me is everything is like one speed. He doesn't really like turn on like you don't really see him hit that second gear while playing. And so that 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 part kind of like worries me a little bit, but I'm still diving into his film. I just would like a little bit more of a twitchier athlete, but I think he has good size and I think he's a solid cornerback, but I just don't think I would take him as high as I think he'll probably go. Um, at number six, I have AJ Terrell uh, from Clemson. I really like him. Very fluid defensive back. Um, ideal size, in my opinion, at 6'1", 195, ran a good 40 time. Um, played inside, played outside, started outside, had the big interception uh, against Alabama two years ago in the national championship, picked six for a touchdown. Um, He picked off Tua. So that was that guy. Um, I really like him. And that's somebody at 31, if I'm the 49ers, he's very intriguing there. Uh, Really reminds me a lot of Emmanuel Mosley, kind of just how he moves and how he plays. And then at five, I have Damon Arnett from uh, Ohio State. He's a guy who I think, might slide because he didn't run well. He ran a 4.57 at the combine. He probably looked to run better at his pro day. But I really liked everything about him. It's just his speed and not knowing. Like uh, He he definitely, watching him, he didn't play slow. Like He didn't look like he was worried about his speed. But same thing with the other Ohio State cornerback. When I go through and I'm watching who these guys played, Ohio State played nobody. That threaten their cornerbacks. Um, I was just going through before we hopped on this pod and looking like, okay, I want to watch a game. I want to break a game down from Ohio State. Um, I got access to like all the all twenty two, and I'm looking and I'm just like, dude, this is Wisconsin. Like, who did they have? One guy who, you know, he ran a four seven three, so he's not somebody that's really threatening them. Really good possession receiver, but on the outside, like, that's the one guy that in the whole conference thing there. um, You have the Minnesota receiver, who I'm not even sure they they played against him, but that's another one where he's more of a slot guy. You have K.J. Hamler, who for Penn State is an explosive receiver, but he's a slot guy. So it's like, who on the outside is really threatening these guys? And that is the one thing that kind of worries me with the Ohio State guys, where they didn't really match up against guys like, uh, you know, guys in the SEC. Like, you know, I, I can put on the LSU game and it's LSU against Alabama. And Alabama has two of the top three receivers in it, coming out in this class. And really with Devontae Smith, that's another one. And these guys had to line up across from them every single play. And they play a ton of man. Um, That's testing a guy. I'm able to see that. Um, same thing with Florida's quarter, CJ C. Henderson. I just broke down a game on, on my uh, press coverage film uh, Twitter account where he's shadowing Jamar Chase from LSU, who most people think is the top receiver coming out next year. So I, I didn't get those type of guys from Ohio State. Only uh, in the Clemson game, it was T. Higgins. That was the only guy that kind of threatened him. And he went out the game after catching a deep ball on Akuda, who they ended up ruling out of bounds, but just I'm looking at ability. And he got behind him, jumped up over him, caught the ball, landed one foot, barely out of bounds. Um, And then he was pretty much done. He came back later, but I think he had like concussion. He missed like two or three quarters. All right, but anyways, um, back to the top five. And number four, I have Bryce Hall, who I think he is somebody that can slide to like maybe like the third round or so. His biggest thing is he missed most of last year with an injury. So uh, I don't know if people are going to sleep on him, but that's somebody who I think 100%, fits what the 49ers want to do. And if he finds his way down to like the fourth round for whatever reason, maybe he doesn't run a 40, they don't know how fast he is. He's somebody I would take, like if I'm the 49ers, like I figure out a way to kind of trade up to be able to grab somebody like him in the fourth round. And when you grab somebody in the fourth round, there's no rush to play that guy. So you can kind of just see what you have from other guys and be able to ease him into a situation. All right. And number three, Christian Fulton, the LSU cornerback. And these are like, these are like my 1.0. Um, I really like Christian Fulton. And when I read my notes, I might like him more than anybody else. Um, I have him at three because I think I'm just supposed to have him at three. But that that definitely can change. Um, he played against Alabama's receivers. And, I mean, he did more than to hold his own. I want to say maybe he gave up one catch all day. And that was to Henry Ruggs on like a, like a 12-yard in-breaking route. Outside of that, and we're talking about a guy that's playing man 90% of the time, man press. And nobody beat him deep. He was running with him as if he ran a 4-3. And that's something that really excites me Like from a cornerback perspective. Seeing a guy that can run with the receivers who's not threatened at all by a receiver's speed or quickness or anything like that. Even when he guarded Jerry Judy, it looked extremely easy. I'm pretty sure I break down that film. Then too, I have Jeff Okuda. He's probably the cleanest prospect. But again, who's he playing against in the Big Ten that's threatening him?
1: Hey, real yeah. quick, was your was your number three guy the guy that you posted the videos about and just kept saying clamps?
2: Yeah, no, 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 no. That was Motley. So I haven't even read off Motley. Um, okay. This I, didn't is my one more of
1: I just I just thought that was that was the guy you were talking about. I I just enjoyed those videos because you kept saying clamps.
2: Oh yeah, clamps, like that straps. <laughs> like that that's, that's just straps. No, no. straps, not clamps yeah. straps.
1: And I was Traps. like looking for like gifts or something to reply with like straps and stuff like that. Like <laughs> I was like looking for ways to like make it funny, but I was like I was like, man, Eric Crocker just keeps saying straps. Straps. straps.
2: Did you you know he was Garden Mims? And the funny thing, well, I will get into him. All right, but um so Christian Fulton, that's he's from LSU. And then you have Jeff Okuda, who's probably the cleanest prospect but again, I worry a little bit about who who's he playing against. And when I finally did get to see him play against somebody like, you know, a big time guy, T. Higgins, T. Higgins on the second play of the game, ran this kind of in-breaking uh route, caught the ball, broke Akuda's tackle. Um, and then I want to say maybe on that same drive, he jumped over Akuda to make a catch. And but he landed the the safety came over the top of him and like knocked his helmet off. And he was out for a while. I think he was, like, concussed. And after that, I mean, there was just nobody else that threatened Akuda. And then you have C.J. Henderson, who a lot of people are like, Akuda's not your number one guy. And it's like, man, I watched C.J. Henderson, and I just watched him shadow, chase for an entire game, and play extremely well. He has everything I'm looking for. He has the 4.39 speed. Um, I think he can be a little bit better with consistency from press. But everything I want to see from a cornerback, i see seen him do it, whether it's lineup up outside, play main, man press against a really talented receiver. Um, did the same thing inside. Uh, the biggest knock on him is his tackling, which when you watch a bunch of games of him, it's just kind of hit and miss. And it is definitely something he can improve on. But I'll take the coverage guy with the freaky athletic ability over somebody that just tackles better. Um, I I want the guy that can cover. So that's pretty much my top 10. Guys I think that could be in the 49ers range at 31, um, and I would take them. I think the first three guys would probably go in the top 25, my top three. I think after that, any of these guys definitely can be there. I'm interested to see which one of these guys slide. Now, the the guy that you were talking about, so I watched uh, Parnell Motley. He's a cornerback out of Oklahoma. And he actually DM me. He, <laughs> he DM me, and he said, "Hey man, you know I like when you do the threads. Can you do one of me?" And I was like, "Oh, if I ever come across, you know, the all twenty two, you know, I got you." So, sure enough, I had asked somebody like, "Hey man, do you have the Oklahoma against Baylor?" And they were like, "Yeah, I got it." So I'm like, "Okay, let me look at this guy." And I had, and I messaged him and I said, "Hey, I finally got it. I'll take a look at it." And it was. Really, I don't want to use the word mind blowing, but to watch him and how he worked, it was it was really a thing of beauty. And you you watched it, and you can kind of hear my excitement with him, like how kind of I was kind of caught off guard. Oh yeah, I was like, this is good stuff. Now I don't know if he played like that all year. I'd have to look at more clips because he wasn't invited to the combine, which is interesting. And then he tested at his pro day today. He ran a four five three and a four five zero. 40, not ideal. 30-inch vertical, not ideal. So I think he's a guy, when you start talking about those late-round picks or even maybe undrafted, I think he's a guy that could possibly be somebody who I would pick. Like, I, I want this guy. And I think he would be definitely better than a, a Tim Harris. Um, and I think he's somebody that could potentially be kind of what we saw from Emmanuel Mosley where there weren't high expectations and he came in and he played very well. I think Motley can be that kind of guy. And the the, the game that we're talking about, I broke down, it was him against Mims. And he was just locking Mims up, like making life tough on Mims. And uh, Mims was lined up on the left side of Baylor's offense. Motley was lined up on the right side of Oklahoma's defense. So they were lined up against each other. Well, he was doing such a good job on on, on Mims, I mean, literally no separation throughout, like, any route. They moved Mims to the other side. So when they moved Mims to the other side, he quickly scored two touchdowns. So right after that, what do you guys think happened? You're damn right. Molly said, you know what? I'm just going to follow you. And he followed Mims. And I mean, that wasn't as impressive of a performance from anybody from a technical standpoint and just a really just shutting down a guy standpoint It was really good. So I don't know where he's going to go. I know how much I like him. And sometimes, like, there's guys where it's just like, that's that's my guy. And it's crazy because he didn't test all that well. So I know for sure he's going to slide. Wasn't invited to the combine. Ton of talent. And that's somebody that the 49ers should look at. Like, don't draft cornerback high. Just John Lynch, call me, and I'll hook you up with a very talented guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, you might. You never know, man. You never know. I mean, people are always reading your threads and obviously yeah. you know what you're talking about. So, I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if somebody gave you a call and said, Hey man, can you do some consulting for us? That'd be pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah. But the, uh, the one last thing that we should touch hey good stuff, by the way, that's pretty awesome, man. I mean, it's just, that that's a lot of time, a lot of effort, but no one's, you know, I assume no one's paying you to do, no one's making you do, and you know, it's
2: it's you know straight. what the funny thing is about it too? Whereas like people are like, Oh, you're you're a clown, like how do you have this guy over this guy? And it's like, do I watch? I'm like, I'm not just talking, like I really watched this. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else, but if you if you watch these guys and you come away with that, then great. And I mean watch them from a sense of like there, I have no bias in this, like I have no horse in this race. Like I had somebody say, you're just trying to be different. And I'm like, no, like if you want to talk about it, I'll tell you exactly why this is my order. You know, Um, I don't care about The best part about that
1: to me is one, they don't know you. And two, they don't know how much time you spend watching this stuff. And three, the people that say that shit are probably not watching shit and they're not formulating their own opinions. And they have just formed their own idea of what's what based off what they've seen throughout the internet by other people and for some reason like why would you get emotionally attached to somebody else's rankings and then get upset when somebody else has something different right like to me it's just twitter's just a home of just such ridiculous for lack of no better term bullshit like endlessly you know it it just pisses me off like i
2: have a lot of great interactions but there are sometimes those people and and to me it's it's fine. Like I value, like, just like I have my opinion. Um, I love to listen to other people's opinion, but just, I just hope that you kind of took the time to watch this guy before you kind of shoot down my opinion. If that makes sense.
1: Right. Yeah. You shouldn't come at somebody else's opinion if you haven't even formed your own. Right. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense. You're just attacking somebody without any ground to stand on. So It's just silly, but the last thing we should probably touch on before we sign off for the day is, is before Crocker and I jump back on here next week. And and next week, when we do jump, when we do jump back on, we'll have a lot to talk about because on Monday, the 16th is when the legal tampering period starts, meaning for free agency, what that means is essentially deals can be agreed upon and, and, everybody knows that deals are agreed upon before even the legal tampering period starts. Because what's funny is once the legal tampering period kicks off, all these deals are announced (laughs) like really quickly, like so fast that they obviously have been talking about this stuff before the legal tampering period begins, but that's neither here nor there. So that starts on Monday. So, any, you know, that that should spur some movement from the 49ers in regards to one Eric Armstead, who's slated for free agency uh, wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders slated for free agency um, and safety Jimmy Ward, who Crocker talked about earlier, also slated for free agency. So. We'll get some definite answers on, on or some clarity on what's coming up for the 49ers. The one thing I would, and we're not going to break this down too much. Uh, I, you know, in, in fact, we probably won't break it. Maybe I'll offer just a few thoughts, but I would caution um, fans and listeners of this podcast to just realize that the 49ers are likely not going to be buyers this year. Uh, they don't have a lot of money. They have a very good team. They have a team capable of competing for the Super Bowl again. And their main priority is just going to be bringing back the people that they have on the team. Which and- is great.
2: It's not like that one year. I just brought it up the other day where Chip Kelly, the only free agent signing he made was Thad Lewis in the Torres ACL in the preseason. Um, <laughs> this isn't one of those situations. This team has is a really good roster. And, you know, it's just, hey, try to hang on to some of your own people. Uh, take the Bill Belichick approach and maybe let go of a guy a year before he's ready to be let go. And hopefully, you know, you draft a couple guys who can contribute, but but go ahead. Sorry about that.
1: No, no, you're all right, dude. I mean, that that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, if you're, if you're just talking general free agency thoughts or, or when it comes to the 49ers players, I mean, when it comes down to Armstead, Eric Armstead, Emmanuel Sanders and Jimmy Ward, I I'm pretty much of the opinion that one of the three is going to stay. Um, I don't know for sure which one that's going to be. I know that Armstead and Sanders are going to be the more challenging of the three to, to keep because Armstead's probably worth to the NFL right now, some 15, 7, 13, 15 million a year, maybe as high as like 17 million a year, depending on, on what kind of an action he sees. So, you know, that's a very, very high end, high end player and a high end contract And Emmanuel Sanders is towards the latter part of his career, but he's proven that he's still effective. So he might be among the more, the most highest, the, the highest paid free agent receivers. And I, and I haven't gone through and looked at the crop of receivers, but I don't expect it to be all that impressive. He shoot. He might be the highest paid one. I just, I don't, I don't know who's about, who's going to get set free out there. So, you know, and you have Jimmy Ward, who's probably going to command a pretty reasonable contract, especially when you're looking at it in terms of the 49ers and John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, who have kind of stuck with, Jimmy Ward, despite the fact that they could have very easily parted ways and been very justified in doing that. It's a guy that struggled with injuries, but you know, he had one of his best seasons or his best season this year and managed to still stay healthy after pretty much being injured every single year of his career. So um, there's just, you know, it's, it's tough to predict what's going to happen. You know, with Eric Armstead, it's, I just, I have a hard time envisioning a genuine long-term deal for him, just given the fact that they also need to give the same to DeForest Buckner and George Kittle, uh, you know, to, to me with him, uh, you know, giving him the franchise tag and, and looking for trade partners seems like the most likely route to me. Um, you know, one where he can negotiate a, probably a bigger deal than he'd be able to get with the 49ers and then the 49ers would be able to get some draft capital back in the trade, uh, you know, just like what they did when they when they acquired D Ford. So. You know, and then you get you got Sanders, who I don't know what to make of the the, the recent stuff with um, KP, the editor over at Niners Nation, uh, reported that he'd heard that the Forty ers had lowballed Emmanuel Sanders, and he was likely headed for free agency. And then Sanders responded to that with "You don't know shit," and that hasn't happened. So,
2: who knows? And he said there weren't any talks, and I know you, you and I were like, "That's that's interesting that there weren't any talks at all." Um, Right, that's the interesting part there, where it's like, oh, I don't know what's worse—they lowballed you, maybe you can (laughs) kind of meet somewhere in the middle, or dang, y'all haven't talked at all, and like, what the fuck are they gonna do? Excuse my language, but What what are they gonna do at receiver (laughs) position? Because he was the he was the the guy that kind of held the whole thing together. I mean, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers when Sanders got there, and he was a top five quarterback, and I don't think there's a coincidence. Um, how Debo Samuel, you know, started taking that next step and without him, that's a scarce looking receiver room,
1: right? They're right back to, uh, to square one again. And, and and like we talked about before, they gave up a third and a fourth round pick to get him. And, you know, I'd already said that I felt like that was a good trade, even if they didn't keep Emmanuel Sanders, because he definitely helped push them over the hump and get them to where they got. Uh, But at the same time, you want that investment to go towards a player that's around for just more than half a season. So, you know, it it goes both ways on that one. But it's going to be interesting. But those are obviously the three main players for the 49ers in free agency. Those are the three main free agents, period, for the 49ers. Because even if, you know, kind of like what I feel, even if they only end up locking one of those, I don't feel like they're going to be huge players in free agency just because they know that anything they have now is eventually going to go towards um, George Kittle, DeForest Buckner. I don't expect those to get done this off season, especially with this new CBA talk about how the salary cap could go up. Um, if, if, if guys like Buckner and Kittle are, are okay with playing on another year, making what their contract, their current contract dictates, then they'll know that 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 will pay off for them in the future. So you know, it's, it's still very much up in the air, but going back to my original kind of starting point is that the legal tampering period on Monday should in some way, bring us some clarity uh, about the 49ers, who's going to stay, who's going to go um, and just where they're going to kind of proceed from here. But again, I caution you just realize that there's not, I don't expect there to be a whole lot of action, maybe a couple names guys that they just got to bring in to fill out the roster. But I don't expect any huge splashes from the 49ers right now. I think they're sitting a little under 13 million uh, below the salary cap, which is not a lot at all. When you consider the contracts that they have coming their way. So, um, but you know, those are my kind of just really brief, really general, uh, you know, thoughts about free agency. We talked a lot about it over the past couple of weeks. So I didn't want to just hit you with all the same stuff over again, but with the, uh, the tampering period coming up on Monday, we'll we'll see. And we'll see pretty relatively shortly. So, um, Crocker you got anything before we uh, we send it off
2: no nah, just uh, make sure you guys wash your hands
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect wash your hands folks keep washing your hands and if you uh, feel like you need to wash your hands even though you just washed them five minutes ago then wash them again because it's not a big deal um, just don't feel like you need to go to the store and buy toilet paper because that's weird um, so anyways I appreciate you guys for being here Hopefully this podcast finds you in good health and you're feeling okay. If you start to not feel great, take the day off. Don't risk it. Your bosses, your employers should understand. If they don't, they're shitty employers and you need to go uh, figure that out and and get elsewhere. So um, again, as always, we appreciate you being here with us, uh, checking out the Striking Gold podcast. And uh, we wouldn't be able to do it without you. So hang in there. Wash your hands. This is Striking Gold, signing off.